Hey everybody, you're listening to Living Theology with the Luby Brothers, a podcast dedicated to understanding and living out the gospel. The gospel that brings us to God and transforms us into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. We are your hosts, Doug, Greg, and Mark Luby. It's been a little while, but we are continuing in our series, Common Challenges for Christians. I looked this morning, and it appears that we started this in January of last year. So we are one year in, and we still have a little bit to go in this series. And so I don't know how long that takes us, if that takes us to 2023 or 2024, or what that might mean. The 20s. Uh, or, if we'll get it, yeah, or if we'll get it done sooner. But we've actually tried to get some episodes out, but have had some issues uh, being able to do that, just life circumstances and difficulties. And uh, so, yeah, we wanted to see if you guys could share some what's been going on in your lives the last few months. Yeah, life circumstances, some difficult, but others that have been really sweet. Like Reagan and I just had our second baby. So our son, Adoniram, was born on December 10th. You may say Adoniram, that's a pretty intense name and that's that's correct we call him Addo and lots of people are still confused on the name our daughter Ruth loves the name though so she'll always go Addo Addo if I'm praying at night when she goes to bed she'll like kind of pick up her head as soon as I say his name and go Addo and she'll also <laughs> point at her belly button because she loves praying for her belly button so it's been a full season but it's been really sweet now having two kids Addo is man, approaching two months old now, which is kind of crazy. So he's sleeping a little bit better. Reagan is sleeping better at night with Addo than she did with Ruth, but it's still a tiring season. Actually, I was just thinking that even the name Adoniram will relate to what we're talking about today because Adoniram Judson's story was so significant to me when I was thoroughly depressed overseas and seeing God's faithfulness in his life. So probably mention a little bit of that later on but a lot of life here has been adjusting to two kids and then we're going to be moving to Clemson South Carolina in April or May and I'm graduating from seminary then so a lot of preparing for life transitions and embracing the sweetness of having a second little one and a lot less sleep these days yeah and also Doug when we were about to record our last podcast um, I we were down to all the... going to be together in person. Yeah, we were all going to be together in person. And then unfortunately, you and your family got COVID. Yeah, all four of us went down. Well, we don't actually know if Addo got it or not. It's great that it's less symptoms typically in kiddos. And for me, it was not a big deal. Like three years ago, I wouldn't have missed a day of work with how I felt. But it wasn't a big deal. I still have some of the congestion and stuff that's I'm more tired but maybe that's just having two kids Reagan it was more painful but never any lung issues and Ruthie got a really big fever and threw up a few times but it's nice to be on the tail end of it but really sad because I was really looking forward to being with you guys Mark and I were going to take a seminary class together so Mark still flew in Greg flew in as well to just hang out and then (laughs) these guys came to my state to come to my seminary, and then I had to take the whole class on Zoom, so that was <laughs> so sad. 
I would come by and wave at you, Doug. Yeah. On the Zoom call. So. Yeah, I appreciate it. It's still fun that we got to have that class together, even if I was virtual. But it was just a sad thing to yeah, not actually get to be in there. Season in so many ways. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was very uh, encapsulating of just how much of life has been over the last couple of years. You make a plan, and you're excited for it, and you're like, "This is gonna be great!" Like we're gonna all three be together and have this time, and then it's like, "Oh, that that." That didn't work out, but yeah. Greg, that was such a dad sneeze. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I've been working on my dad sneeze lately. <laughs> it terrifies everyone in the house. <laughs> There's a couple of times that Ruth has made the just oh noise because <laughs> like I'll sit down after a day and just I'm like tired. Oh. <laughs> She'll copy that. Yeah, I should awesome. like falling asleep if we watch a movie or something. I'll like fall asleep <laughs> just right away. And I'm like yeah, I'm totally a dad now uh, <laughs> but on, do your boys sneeze like you do um i they do yeah they will like sometimes i make it over dramatic and i'll sneeze and be like ah <laughs> so they'll do the same thing <laughs> and it sounds like ah and then <laughs> It sounds terrible. Yeah, like a three-year-old just <laughs> amplifying it. Yeah, that's awesome. But it's a good time. Uh, but yeah, we've been we've been doing pretty well. Uh, we have been keeping busy with the three kids and continuing to just do ministry at the Air Force Academy and enjoying that. I feel like it's been a just first year back on campus, and so still have just been enjoying seeing people face to face and feel like God's doing new things in the ministry, which we're excited about. And um, yeah, just praying for wisdom and navigate that with wisdom, or praying, praying to navigate with wisdom. And I think that uh, we've had different health issues this year and different surgeries and stuff, all mostly minor, but that's been a big, big thing over the past couple of months. And thankfully they've all gone pretty well. And yeah, outside have of you that, all had four or five surgeries I think in the last four weeks? surgeries and uh 2021 between our whole family well, so we were experts crazy. yeah yeah <laughs> so there's a lot we'll try to cut it at least in half this year <laughs> i hope i hope you can do more than that but we'll see <laughs> hannah and i have been doing well overall we she's been working continuing to work as an interior designer getting her certification and um her work has been really busy this time as there's just been like a, I guess a lot of need for architect firms to do their thing or they've been getting a lot of business, I guess. So that's been really good. Um, and she's been kind of supporting me as I've been transitioning more since this last August to focus more on seminary. So I'm still Mm -hmm. working as a pastor at my church, but am doing that more in a part-time role so I can spend a significant amount of the week doing seminary um, which has been really good for me and a season hopefully in the next couple years I'll be able to get the degree done what I've said is there is no such thing as part-time ministry in the past and I think I'm like realizing those words some because it's like you know you're you're never like part-time engaged in the life of the church or part-time engaged in what's going on and there's always more that you want to be involved in and there's a lot of you know whether it's hardships or great opportunities in ministry, um, there's always more. So I'm, I really am learning a lot in this season about how to focus and prioritize and um, be active and engaged where I am and also just trust God with the limits that I have because 
yeah. you, you just see them. And I'm, when I'm trying to think of how to do 20 hours of ministry in a week, you just realize there's a lot of limits. We've also had re- just a really sweet time with friends lately. And I think this last year, we've just felt so incredibly blessed by friendships. And that's been really, really sweet for us. Mark, you mentioned doing seminary more. Uh, along with coming to Atlanta for a week of class, you were in Orlando for a week of class with your buddy Patrick. But you had yeah. mentioned that that one was significant in your life and understanding the gospel. Yeah. Would you share more of that about that? I actually haven't heard a ton about that yet. Yeah. I think it was just significant because, I mean, I, I think I came to faith when I was probably about eight. And it's, I mean, it's always hard to know how to tell the story exactly. But, you know, growing up, I think I really did understand the gospel in high school, really grew a lot in my faith as well. But near the end of high school, as I've shared in the past, I just went through a really heavy season of, I'd say, a sense of depression, shame, um, and was just confronted with the gospel in a new way. And it really made the gospel so much sweeter than it had ever been. And I think I was wanting to grow in my faith, and the way it happened was not how I expected. I expected it just me that I would be more zealous and more sold out for Jesus. Um, mm-hmm. And I think what God ended up doing was just humbling me in a lot of ways. And he's, he's not done with that process, but just humbling me in ways that were difficult. And I was just, yeah, just felt an overwhelming sense of hardship in that season, depression, shame, obsession with past issues in my life, with current issues. And what was cool going to seminary this time was, I was in a class that was on Acts and Romans hmm. and we had done the Acts portion before. So the lectures were just on Romans at night. Oh, it cool. was six to nine o'clock at night um, for five days where we were lecturing through Romans. And I think just one of the things that through this season has been hitting me is kind of this idea of just revitalizing my view of the gospel, not, not a different gospel, not something else, but just going back to the basic fundamentals of the love of God, um, my identity in Christ freedom from condemnation, the joy in just knowing and relating with God, and just getting back to that core center of what Mm. Christ has done and what that means, and just believing that the good news of the gospel really is good news. And I think that that class just sitting for five days and lectures on Romans and just hearing the book of Romans, you know, going through it and hearing the gospel preached in there was just it was so refreshing for my soul. And so I took a picture on one of the nights cause I was sitting out, um, after the first class, I just had to get out and just like reflect and pray cause it was such a significant experience. And I just took mm-hmm. a picture looking back at the seminary of some lights in the distance, like on a path. And it was just encapsulated how I felt of just like, I've kind of been feeling this sense of darkness and weight, but looking on the horizon, there's this light and this hope. And I was like, man, that's that's how I feel right now. Is I want to walk towards the glory, walk towards the light of the gospel. Um, hmm. I believe that's on the horizon, but it's been yeah, kind of a darker season. And so I, I didn't necessarily go away that week. Um, this month has been a difficult one. And when I was in um, Atlanta with my friend Beck, you know, our plans were different than we expected, but we were just able to talk through some really um, significant, deep things we were both going through. Um, and I think that was really helpful for us both to be able to have that conversation and, uh, share about that. And so, I mean, I wasn't, wasn't necessarily planning on that as introduction for depression, but, uh, not, I I don't know if I would classify what I'm going through right now as a depression, but, um, in the sense of, yeah, just 
revitalized my view of the gospel has been a significant thing even for me in this season. And so everything from listening to the very long audio book, Providence by John Piper, to listening to an auto or not an autobiography, a biography of Martin Luther, just hearing his story and uh, can relate with his conflicted conscience at times. And uh, listening to the book Gentle and Lowly, those have just been some things that have been <laughs> good a, for my soul. It's a good book. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, it was sweet. Even thinking about that time, just in the Word and going through Romans, we joke every once in a while about for the next eight hours, I'll be your tour guide through the Book of Romans. But you literally yeah. had fifteen hours in class, yeah, getting yeah. a tour through the Book of Romans, which is sweet. Yeah, yeah. So that was that was really sweet, really significant. Yeah. So let's uh let's jump into this. We're talking about depression today, and. We'll probably break this one into a couple parts, but if it comes out as one part, that means we didn't do that. Um, and uh, but depression, what uh, what are the causes of depression? A way I've said it in the past is that it's like anxiety. If someone was to tell you, "Hey, I'm anxious," you don't want to immediately give them an answer of what they should do because they might be anxious because they lost their car keys, and maybe you just help them find their car keys for a couple minutes, or they might be anxious because. Um, their adrenal gland is firing all the time and they need to get that looked at. Or they might be anxious because they have problems going on at home. I think it's similar when you think about depression. If someone would say, you know, why am I depressed or why are you depressed? There can be so many factors. It can be a multiplicity of factors um, that could be related to something that's going on in their personal relational lives, whether with family or friends. It could be related to a personal um moral issue going on that is causing anxiety, pain, you know, exhaustion. Um, it could be related to sickness, physical sickness, not related to what they've been doing, just something that's happened to them. It could be related to something spiritual going on, a spiritual sense of warfare, um, demonic oppression, um, demonization that isn't something that is their fault, but is something that's going on in their lives. It could be related to, um, yeah, anything from biological, chemical things going on to um, relational to personal struggles and anxiety and exhaustion leading to depression. There's, there's a number of things that it could be. And so I think just starting off, as we talk about depression, we want to understand that it could be a multiplicity of factors um, that go into it. But how would you guys classify, or I guess what, what um, explanation would you give as we think about depression and what it is and how, how we're going to be approaching it? I think the progression that we've talked about of anxiety, anger, depression is helpful of anxiety. There's this uncertainty about the future and I just feel really nervous. So I need to try and figure out what to do, how to go about it, change things so that this uncertain thing that's out of my control, I try and control it. Anger of my goals are being blocked and so I'm frustrated. I kind of like rage against it. And then depression, realizing not just, I don't know if these goals are going to happen or feeling as though my goals are temporarily blocked, but it may be impossible. So just, I should give up or I'm low or why try? Or even if there's times in my life that I've been really depressed and I've still been doing things inactive, but just feeling the sense of futility that my expectations have been shattered and I'm going to keep going along because I need to, but I sense that 
man, I don't want to get out of bed in the morning. That's often something for me of just a struggle even to this day of like, what is it that motivates me to get out of bed in the morning? Where I have people that ask me that question and I have to keep coming back to the gospel. But even when I'm reminding myself of the gospel, there's been seasons of just feeling this overwhelming. It doesn't really even matter what I do. I think that one of the reasons we all want to talk about is we have all been through seasons of depression in our life, if not multiple. And I think that so many people I know have, and especially during this time where it's been, depression's been on the rise in a unique way in these past couple of years that have been really amplified even by COVID. So we just thought that this would be a relevant thing to touch on and hit it on. And um, I think is a topic that really needs to be addressed and that the gospel does speak to. And we need to know how does the gospel speak to this? Greg, Greg, I think that's a really helpful point that depression is, I mean, it's a human problem. It's one that we're going to face, but I think particularly in this season, the potential for, mental illness, depression, like those, those realities are just so in front of us and so real. Um, and it's a difficult time. I, I, as I've talked with people and really understood what's going on in people's lives, like, I I just don't know anyone who's not going through something significant, you know, or, or will be, or has been lately, you know, just going through something real and hard. And there's, there's a lot of temptation to despair. There's a lot of reasons to be saddened, hardened, depressed. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, depression is a symptom of living in a world that is genuinely broken. That the peace of dwelling with God in his presence in an unfallen world with people who are also holy and without sin, that peace has been broken and we want to be back to that we have great hope as believers that we're going there but right now we live in a fallen world that we are unable to fix on our own Hmm. and so there just is something of that depression of okay i'm gonna keep working i'm gonna keep working i'm gonna try and control my future and it's not working or it's only partially working but there's still uncertainty that's there but we keep trying to control things. And one of the things that I've heard is like when our strategies for coping with the world or for dealing with the problems or the brokenness of this life fail, what do we do? Change our strategies? Not usually. Actually, we just try and do those strategies harder. And so, okay, my default is when things are going wrong, I just try and super analyze it so that I can figure out what to do and make it better. And then sometimes that does work. But then other situations where I've analyzed it more and more and more, and it's not working. So what do I do? Well, I'm going to analyze it even more and more and more. And I keep putting effort and effort and effort into deal with the genuine problem that's in front of me, but it's not working. And eventually I conclude there's no hope. And so I'm Mm -hmm. just depressed and feel like just giving up on that. Yeah, just uh, kind of tying to what we're talking about there. I just, Romans 8 came to mind where it says, um, the creation is a subject to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected in hope that the creation itself would be set free from its bondage to corruption and attain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. 
And it says, we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now, and not just creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly the adoptions for our sons, the redemption of our bodies. And I know that there's, hmm. it's not, it's not directly addressing you know, depression there. It's, there's a lot that's going on in that passage and in the context, but I think it really is talking about this world that has been subject to futility and brokenness and that we experience that in ourselves. And we're eagerly awaiting this time where we'll be with God for eternity as believers, there will be no death, no crying, no mourning, no pain, and that all things are made new. And yet uh, now as we do live in this world, we go through cycles and seasons and um, we experience the weight of the brokenness of the world in a way that can lead us to yeah that downward spiral that we've talked about in ways yeah mm-hmm. it is it is startling just to think about the incongruity 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 great yeah, you, I... you had a struggle with that word too in the past yeah, I so i feel you even added <laughs> syllables encouraged the... <laughs> It's a hard one. So the incongruity between our hope as Christians and the reality of what we're experiencing is so great. Mm -hmm. And the Christian message isn't that, you know, everything now is fine and everything is easy and everything is light. But it is saying, no, there is a great incongruity between what we experience now and the glory that we will one day experience. What you're talking about, Greg, is the hope that we have in God. And... I think even just living in that way is helpful to remember. Okay, we live in the incongruity. We live in a place where the hope that we have in Christ does not at times feel fitting. It has to be something that's experienced and believed in faith um, that does not see merely what's before us, but there's there's something beyond it. I wonder if it might be helpful as we start this, even just to share some of the ways that in our own life we've gone through some experiences of um, depression, and this doesn't necessarily have to be a clinical diagnosis of this level, but just how we related with the issue of depression in our own lives and our own relationships. We've definitely all dealt with students or friends who are going through deep depression, but then we've also walked through it on our own. And for me, during my time going overseas in missions, I was seeing so much of my sin and so much of my depression was coming out of my own expectations of what life would look like that weren't being matched. My expectations of my name, maybe not even just that my name would be exalted, but I had this expectation that I was going to be such a great person. God was going to use my life in these great ways. And then instead what I'm seeing is my sin and before I had even gone overseas, I had actually been pretty low for a while. I had asked out a gal and she had told me no. My own sin in purity had ramped up for a while. I was struggling relationally in a couple of key relationships. I was feeling like I'm not sure what I'm doing in ministry. And it seems like every key area of my life was just not the way that I wanted it to be. And then I go overseas thinking like, okay, maybe this new situation, I'll be doing well here. And I'm excited about it. And there was this excitement about what was new. But then a lot of those same issues showed up again. And all of a sudden I was seeing my anxiety and my anger and my bitterness. 
and getting sick every couple of weeks because of how nervous I was and all of this stuff showing up to the point that it just became exhausting and I tried to work harder I tried to do more um it was maybe the sweetest season of my quiet times and devotional life with the Lord but also I just kept trying to do more and then got exhausted and was really low during that season and and then it was even like years before really coming out of that. Hmm. What about for you, Greg? Yeah, I think there's been different times um, in my life where I've gone through seasons of depression. One actually was, I think that was the most significant in my life is tied to my own personal testimony, faith story when I was a sophomore in college. And I just realized that I've been putting my identity in so many things and that God to me was more of an intellectual idea than a reality, kind of more like head knowledge than heart knowledge is what we sometimes say. And I think through that time, so many of the things that I've been putting my hope in, finding my identity in, um, the Lord just graciously took away and removed. And it kind of felt like I was just there without that. And that it was kind of like something deep inside of me was being taken out. And during that season, I uh, really felt just low because um, I realized how much of my hope wasn't really found in God and how much of my life was just built on the way people saw me and things like that. And so I went through a season of three or four months of just feeling lower than I've ever felt before and just feeling like I had nothing to hope in. And, um, well, maybe not that's right we say it, but I just, I just kind of started wrestling with God and saying, Lord, I want to actually have you be everything in my life. And the truths I see in the scripture aren't a reality in my life and asked that God would just make them reality. And I kept claiming the verse of you'll seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And so I said, Lord, I'm just going to seek you until I find you. And was often up like nights on end, just praying and asking the Lord to become more and more real in my life and saying, I don't want to settle just for a head knowledge of you. I don't want to settle for just a life that's more about me and you're kind of just an aspect of it, but would you be everything? And I felt like after four months of just feeling really empty and low that God did show up really through the word in a lot of ways. And I just start to see verses like John three sixteen, for God to love the world. They gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but shall have everlasting life. And those truths kind of hit me in a way where it's like, this is actually true. And it wasn't just like reading a magazine or words on a page, but it, it was a reality and it became a hope in new ways. And yet it's still, even after that, I still went through seasons of difficulty, but I think that's when I really would say the lowest point of my life was, but something I prayed, started to learn to pray even through that season was, Lord, don't let my depression stop if you have a purpose in it that's greater than the season and this greater than depression and said and so that's like a prayer that i started praying is like lord don't let this stop if you're doing something in it like i in my mind i just want this cut short because it's awful and i hate it and i don't want to keep operating this way you know like but i think the seasons even afterwards where i experienced that that started to become a prayer lord like do what you want to accomplish through this and root out of my life the ways I'm putting hope in other things and looking to other things for life. Um, 
yeah, like sever the core of where my depression is coming from in a way that would be renewed in ways only you can do. Hmm. That's good. There's a few stories that come to my mind, or I guess just a few different seasons. One of them I shared about earlier, so I won't go too much into, but that was a season where I really do think there was potentially some sort of spiritual warfare going on. I think there's always... Doug and I were talking about this actually before the podcast is I think there's even in spiritual warfare, there's ways that your own flesh, your own sinful nature gets involved, your own, all those things. And so it's not just to say, it's just a spiritual issue. Like there were real things in my life that were being um, revealed through that season. But I think of that season after high school where I went through what seemed like a season of just depression um, and anxiety and shame and, just in really intense ways. It was hard to read the scriptures. Uh, there were a few passages that I felt like where I was able to read and understand the gospel from, like Romans 8, first, particularly 7.24 to 8.11. And a lot of people walked through that season with me. And I began to see, you know, as I grew out of that, grew in that season, through that season, I've been able to read the scriptures again and not feel that same way, um, not feel overcome by shame while reading them, which is good. Um, cause that was, that was awful and difficult. So that was one season where I think there was just spiritual stuff going on, um, that I don't fully understand still to this day. Think of another season in my life where it was going through some personal sin and similar issues and struggles with, uh, purity and holiness in my life in those areas. And, um, just as I walked through that season, it was just a desperation and a lifelessness in my sin when I was felt stuck and caught in it. And yeah, I just remember one of those nights where I was just in, in just a difficult struggle and just thinking about God and the verse that came to my mind is, Oh God, you're my God. Earnestly, I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water, just Psalm 63. And it just felt like, man, that's how I feel right now. It's like, I want more of God. Um, but I feel so dry and so far from him. And that was a season that God worked in and worked through. And I'm very grateful for his faithfulness through it. Cause I think he made me in many ways realize how unsatisfying so many of the things I was chasing really were in my own sin. And then I would say another season that comes to mind just to maybe round it off is more related to that relational side. I had been working in student ministry and a lot of my friends had moved away after college and I was living with some roommates and had just a really toxic situation happen where I had to kick a roommate out um, and a lot of stuff ended up going down, but I just felt so distrusting of people. And a sense of even distrusting of people along with like a sense of self-resentment. And I, there were a number of things that were happening in that season that were difficult, but a lot of it just came to this view of like, I just felt people, I think there was more of the sense of like, I, I couldn't be trusted or I couldn't trust people. And I, I didn't feel like I was really even lovable or someone who could be, um, I didn't feel understood 
in a number of ways. And that was just a really hard relational season. And so I, I go through those briefly, just say there's one that seemed more related to my own sin, one related to spiritual things and my own issues as well. And one related to perhaps some relational stuff that was going on. And yet in all those, God was working and moving, but a lot of various challenges of seasons that have brought me pretty low at times. One verse that was super significant to me throughout being low was Psalm 119, 75 and 92. And Psalm 119, 75 says, I know, O Lord, that your rules are righteous, and that in faithfulness you have afflicted me. And verse 92 says, If your law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. But Psalm 119, 75, Your rules are righteous, and in faithfulness you've afflicted me. And I remember reading that verse being so low and thinking, I do not have a category for the goodness of God that fits with this verse. Like, I don't get this. I know I've read the book of Job. I know that God's been faithful in other people's lives. He was faithful even in our mom's chronic pain and issues that are there. I know that God is working all things together for good. And then I'm in this spot of feeling so low and overwhelmed by my sin and reading a verse that says, in faithfulness, God has afflicted me and realizing there's something about God that I don't have the ability to grasp in my circumstances right now. But Lord, would you help me to actually trust this? I don't know what this means, but I trust that you actually are faithful and that's actually where Adoniram Judson's story was so significant to me because that guy suffered way more than I have ever suffered. He lost his first two spouses. Seven of his 15 kids died. He um, was hung upside down in jail. He was put in prison for a long period of time. He was sick constantly. He went through a severe, severe depression where he thought the only reason he had ever gone overseas was for his own fame. And then so much more was going on in this guy's life. And yet God was faithful to him. So naming our son Addo is partly because I'm remembering how faithful God has been in ways that I don't understand and don't grasp. And when we're low and depressed, our chance, our picture of God has changed and it's confronted. And in seasons like today where I can look back, it's a lot easier to trust that. But there is something of just God's goodness that we don't quite know how to deal with in depression. Hmm. Yeah. So we are going to finish this episode and do a second part for it. Uh, Next time we'll be looking at ways that we can deal with depression in unhelpful ways and then how the gospel through the head, heart, and hands framework really addresses depression. Uh, But right now, I think in this episode, what we just kind of want to end with is an invitation to say if you are suffering, if you're going through depression, have a friend going through depression, family going through depression, um, if the trials of life are overwhelming, then... Uh, like I guess kind of a, a welcome that's that's part of the Christian experience this is a common this is common for the Christian life uh, we look forward to our hope but much of the Christian life is is in difficulty and trial and there's great joys in the Christian life but there's also seasons of hardship and depression and so if anything on this episode we're wanting to end there and Greg I think you have 
um, a good place to conclude us for this, even just with a good word of hope, just from the scriptures of how we can um, take something from this one as we prepare for the next one. Yeah, it ties to Romans 8 that I was talking about earlier and goes right into the next section uh, as I was talking about the groanings of childbirth that the world is going through, but also just how we as Christians experience that same disconnect in our life as we long to be united with Christ uh, in eternity in heaven forever. And But then it goes right from there into this passage in 28. It says, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who have been called according to his purpose. For those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed with the image of his son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. And then it goes from there, essentially saying, if God is for us, who can be against us? And God gave up his son, and how not also along with him graciously give us all things in Christ, and nothing will separate us from the love of God. And I think... What's assuring, though, about those first couple of verses, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. There's nothing that falls outside that category. So even the seasons of uh, life that we feel depressed or down, we know that God's at work in that. And that we know that God's using those for good and that he's not distant and uncaring and that even those seasons in themselves are part of God's plans and purposes in our lives to conform us into the image of Christ and uh, he's able to use those to accomplish something in our lives. And so seeing that in this, it's we're not separated from the love of God. Uh, God's affection for us isn't gone and absent, but instead God is a loving Father who is with us in the midst of it, and he has a greater plan and purpose in it. And so I just think that's so assuring to know that God is present and that he's for us and um, that we're not separate from his love and that he is doing something in and through this season that couldn't be done in our lives without it. And one day, even in eternity, we'll look back and be thankful for how God used the seasons of depression in our life and we'll actually be thankful for how he did um, as we see the full picture of it. So that's just an assuring thing and we'll continue to touch base on or talk about what what it looks like to actually go through this and walk through it in light of the gospel next time. Thanks for joining us for this episode. We hope it's of encouragement to you and that you join us next time for another discussion. The music excerpts for this podcast come from the song Enthusiast by Tours, which is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution license. More information can be found in the show notes.